Hey everyone, before we start the episode, I wanted to share some exciting news. We have a YouTube channel now. We started posting our episodes with some cool images and videos, so you should definitely go check it out. You can find us at On Wildlife Podcast, and don't forget to subscribe. Now let's get into the episode. Hello, welcome to On Wildlife. I'm your host, Alex Ray. On this podcast, we bring the wild to you. We take you on a journey into the life of a different animal every week, and I guarantee you you're going to come out of here knowing more about your favorite animal than you did before. On this week's episode, I'm going to be talking about a tiny animal that's feared by many. Their bright colors might be inviting, but they're actually a warning sign to stay away. They've even been weaponized by humans. So let's go down to the forest floor of tropical rainforests to talk about small amphibians with a deadly touch. Poison dart frogs. Dart frogs can be found in Central and South American tropical rainforests like in Brazil. They need to live in these wet environments because their skin needs to stay moist. A group of poison dart frogs is called an army, and there's not just one type of poison dart frog, there are over a hundred different species of them. They're known for their extremely bright and almost mesmerizing colors. Each species has a unique pattern and color. They can be blue, red, yellow, green, and many more colors. And I can't wait to talk about why they have these bright colors in the first place. But these frogs are tiny, only getting up to around one inch long and weighing less than an ounce. And they can live from three to 15 years depending on the species. Poison dart frogs have this name for a reason. They're one of the most toxic animals on earth. For example, the golden poison frog has enough poison to kill 10 adults. So we know why they have the word poison in their name, but why darts? Well, the Embera people, indigenous to Colombia, put the poison of these frogs on the tips of their blow darts in order to hunt and kill different animals. But what's interesting about this is that even though people use the poison to hunt animals, that's not what the frogs use it for themselves. Poison dart frogs have a specific role in the food web. They're classified as secondary consumers. This means that they eat animals that are herbivores, specifically insects like ants and beetles. And unlike other kinds of frogs who hang around on trees, poison dart frogs hunt on the floor of the rainforest among the fallen leaves. In order to catch their prey, they shoot out their long and sticky tongue, which latches onto the insect and brings them into the mouth of the frog. But how are frogs able to shoot their tongues out like this? Their tongues are attached to the bottom front part of their jaw instead of at the back of their mouths like us. When they quickly open their mouths, it springs the tongue out which shoots it forward. And they're able to find their prey using their great vision. They can see for extremely long distances and are great at picking up any type of movement in front of them. And you've seen how frogs' eyes kind of bulge out of their eye sockets. This gives them a wider visual range than we have. That can help them keep an eye out for not only prey, but also predators. Weirdly, the frogs' eyes actually help them push food down their throat too. The action of swallowing pulls its eyes into the roof of its mouth. 
Frog's eyes are like camera lenses in the sense that they can focus their vision by zooming in and out. Okay, we're going to take a break. And when we get back, we'll talk more in depth about their poison and how they make it. The person that I want to recognize on this week's episode of Notable Figures in Science is Katherine Johnson, an American mathematician. Johnson was one of the first black students integrated into the graduate program at West Virginia University in 1939. She decided not to finish the graduate program and became a teacher until she got a job to work at NACA, which would later become NASA. She worked on the trajectories of a rocket to put the first American into space. After this, she worked on putting John Glenn into space, who was the first American to go into Earth's orbit. She was given the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2015 and played a pivotal role in advancing the United States into space. If you want to learn more about Katherine Johnson or this series, check out onwildlife.org. Okay, we're back. So poison dart frogs are obviously poisonous, but there's a big difference between producing toxic substances and being poisonous. Tons of animals produce toxins, but to be poisonous, the animal has to be toxic to eat or even lick. For example, a king cobra produces its own toxins, but it is venomous, not poisonous, because in order to be affected by the toxin, you have to be bitten by it. The frog species that I mentioned in the beginning, the golden poison frog, is the deadliest frog in the world. It's found on the Pacific coast of Colombia, and under its skin, it has glands that produce the poison. Other species of poison dart frogs are much less dangerous, and only a handful of them are a risk to humans. The poison produced by the golden poison frog is called batrachotoxin. When it enters your bloodstream, you can become paralyzed or even die. Some other examples of batrachotoxin are morphine and quinine. All of the poison dart frogs that are actually poisonous use a similar classification of poisons. Some poisons do different things than others, though. For example, Anthony's poison arrow frog that lives in Peru and Ecuador has a poison that can cause brain and muscle damage, which may eventually lead to seizures. Even baby frogs are deadly. Mother frogs give their offspring poison when they're too young to produce it for themselves. What's really interesting is that the mothers feed them their own unfertilized eggs, which contain the poison. And the purpose of having this poison is to protect themselves against predators. But this seems a little counterintuitive because if something dies after it's already eaten you, then it doesn't matter because you're already dead. Well, this is where the color comes in. Unlike a lot of other animals that like to use dull colors to hide, they all have extremely bright, seemingly unnatural colors. The use of colors is pretty abnormal when we're talking about frogs because they're usually most active at night, and there's no use in being colorful if nobody can see you. But poison dart frogs are diurnal, meaning that they're active during the day. In nature, bright colors are a warning sign of toxicity. Predators know that there's a chance that they could become sick or die if they eat a brightly colored animal. The more brightly colored, usually the more dangerous. 
And I say there's a chance because a lot of animals use this coloration to their advantage even if they're not poisonous. This is called mimicry. There are even some frog species that mimic the bright colors of the poisonous frogs. And they have the best of both worlds because they can look dangerous to predators without having to produce any toxins. But even though the colors make them stick out up close, there have been studies conducted that show that from further away, the frogs actually blend in really well with the environment around them. And scientists don't really know how these specific frogs became toxic compared to most other frog species. Poison dart frogs came about around 40 to 45 million years ago in northern South America, but their ancestors were much larger, less colorful, and not poisonous. Some people think that a long time ago, their ancestors started to eat insects and other organisms that were poisonous, which could be how they were able to start producing the poison themselves. In fact, some of the key chemicals in frog's poison can be traced back to ants, beetles, and millipedes. And scientists have found that poison dart frogs raised in captivity without access to what they usually eat aren't able to produce these toxins. But how were they able to eat poisonous things without getting hurt? Again, nobody really knows, but we do have some ideas. One hypothesis is that they have incredibly high metabolisms, so their bodies could process the chemicals quickly without them being harmed. And this could have just been a really lucky coincidence. They ate a toxic insect and already had a high metabolism, so they didn't get sick, which allowed them to produce the toxins themselves. It's really cool to think about all the things we still don't know, like why these animals didn't just adapt camouflage to hide out in the forest like many other animals. The poisons that these frogs produce are actually being used in the medical field too. Researchers are exploring medicinal uses for the poison. They have already made a medicine similar to the toxins found in poison dart frogs to be used for painkillers. But some people think that inside the chemical composition of the poison is the key to killing cancer cells. And it's not the actual toxins that the scientists would put in medicine. Rather, they studied the structure and the chemical composition to design better medicines. Even though poison dart frogs have great vision, they also use sound in order to communicate with each other. They call all throughout the forest, and if you didn't know any better, you'd probably think that it would be insects or birds making these sounds. They have very well-developed structures in their bodies that help them produce sound, and the calls vary a lot between different species. They make sounds using their vocal cords, and males have something called a vocal sac, which expands under their chin to make what looks like a bubble. And the expansion of the bubble actually helps to amplify the sound of the calls. The sounds are used to attract mates, which we'll talk about later on in the episode, and to establish territories. Even though poison dart frogs are most active during the day, they don't really sleep that much. And you can call them light sleepers, because even when they do sleep, they're able to quickly wake up and jump away if needed. Okay, let's take our last break, and when we get back, we'll talk about how they find their mates. Time for the trivia question. Where do polar bears live? A, the North Pole, B, the South Pole, or C, both?
answer is A. Polar bears only live in the North Pole. The South Pole is where you'll find penguins. Okay, welcome back. Poison dart frogs living in the rainforest breed all throughout the year. And there can actually be hybrid poison dart frogs because some different species are able to interbreed. The way the males court their mates is really interesting. The male decides where the female should lay her eggs and then he brings her to that area. But the greatest tool that the male has to attract his mate is his voice. And females of some species are very particular about who they choose. And they'll choose based on a few different things. Some females like when males have already made a nest for them and start calling them. Females are usually attracted to males who are able to call for longer periods of time because it takes more energy, showing that the male is in good physical condition. Males also have to test their strength against other males, and they'll even have wrestling matches that can take hours. Whoever wins the wrestling match gets to mate with the female. And although there are some species that are really picky, others aren't. For example, the strawberry poison dart frog just mates with whichever male is closest to them. Females lay about 40 eggs at a time. The eggs are encapsulated in something that looks like jelly, and they need to be laid in a moist environment under leaves that have fallen from the trees. And after the eggs are released by the female, the male fertilizes them. You might be thinking, don't they need to lay their eggs in the water because they're amphibians? The tadpoles spend their time in the water until they turn into adults, so how do they get there? When the eggs hatch, the parents actually put the tadpoles on their back and transport them into a pool of water. Aside from being really cute, this is also extremely unusual because amphibians and reptiles don't usually care for their young at all. Another reason it's unusual is because usually only the female cares for her offspring, but both mom and dad poison dart frogs help to transport them. But their parental care doesn't stop there. The female feeds her babies as well after transporting them to the water. Poison dart frogs are really important to the ecosystems that they live in because they help to control insect populations, making sure one species doesn't become overpopulated. And because they're dangerous to eat, Poison dart frogs don't really have many predators, but one animal is actually resistant to their poison. It's a snake called Lamadophis epinephalis. They're the only known predator of poison dart frogs. What's more dangerous than snakes, however, is habitat destruction. Since the 40s, about 80% of Costa Rica's rainforests have been cut down, and Costa Rica is an area where many poison dart frogs live. There's also the fact that these frogs are being traded to pet owners on the black market. Many species numbers are declining, and some of them are even being labeled as endangered because of the loss of rainforests. That's why it's important to support organizations that are helping poison dart frogs and their habitats. Here are three of them that are doing great work. The Amphibian Survival Alliance, Partners in Amphibian and Reptile Conservation, and the Rainforest Action Network. Thank you so much for coming on this adventure with me as we explored the world of poison dart frogs. You can find the sources that we used for this podcast and links to organizations that we reference at onwildlife.org. 
You can also email us with any questions at onwildlife.podcast at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Instagram at on underscore wildlife or on TikTok at onwildlife. Don't forget to tune in next Wednesday for another awesome episode. And that's On Wildlife. You've been listening to On Wildlife with Alex Ray. On Wildlife provides general educational information on various topics as a public service, which should not be construed as professional, financial, real estate, tax, or legal advice. These are our personal opinions only. Please refer to our full disclaimer policy on our website for full details. (laughs) 